Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. When we aren't afraid of death, we are less afraid of life. From these episodes, I aim for all of us to take more risks in life, go after our dreams, have great relationships, and some fun in the process. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the number one international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And today on We Don't Die Radio, I'm thrilled to introduce you to my friend, Gina St. George. Gina. Hello. Oh, hello. (laughs) I was going to keep talking, but I'll say hello. Well, let me say a little bit more about you. Gina is a chemical industry executive turned entrepreneur. She and her business partner, Andy, it's also her partner in life, own two businesses. And for the last 20 years, they've been serving South Florida. And we'll get to find out what those are from Gina. But in the recent years, she, well, actually both of them have been asked to offer business training for small businesses and startups. And they have a website called businessresultssystems.com. Gina is unfortunately home with the flu today, but I'm thrilled that she's still going to join us. But she is someone like myself who is an avid cat lover and can usually be found caring for foster kittens who are orphaned and need to be bottle fed or are sick or simply too small and young for adoption. So this is a woman with a lot of love in her heart and if you go to we don't die radio.com right now you can see a picture of the beautiful Gina St. George and who we're talking to so Gina hello and welcome hello and uh, thank you for having me oh and thank you for being here even though you're a bit under the weather this is actually making my day better that I get to do this instead of continuing to lay on the couch. Oh, thanks. Well, and sometimes um, when we share what we love, it makes us feel better. So that'll be my intent for you, that you get so jazzed up by what you're up to and what your experiences are that you get this gigantic smile on your face and it makes you better. How's that? That sounds excellent. <laughs> Gina, where are you talking to us from today? You're in Florida? Uh, I'm in I'm in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Fort Lauderdale. Fantastic. Awesome. I love that area. So I've lived, I've lived here for the last um, five years when I came and joined Andy in business. And prior to that, I was in many places. But I've settled here now, and this is where I am. And uh, it's October, and it's still 80-plus degrees. Yeah, that's nice. What, before we get into... Um, why you volunteered to be here on a show called We Don't Die. Um, what kind of businesses, what are the two uh, brick-and-mortar businesses that um, you've been working with for 20 years? So um, the first one is a uh, litigation support business. It's a business called CopyScan. And, uh, and what we do is we do document management and trial preparation work for law firms, um, and basically anything that they need for uh, for doing discovery and and doing their uh, you know, preparing for their case in court if mm-hmm. it does go to court. Um, so that entails things like well, back at, at the beginning of the time of the you know twenty years ago it was making photocopies. So you know in discovery <laughs> both sides of the case need to share information. Um, it became it was photocopies. Then it became scanning, and uh, Andy actually named the company with that change in mind because he knew that scanning was starting to emerge. And so he's like, well, I'm going to name my company CopyScan instead of just blah, 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 copy service. Right. And uh, 
but little did he know that everything would end up going digital. And so now we do a lot of electronic discovery, which is uh, th- that stuff that has never been on paper. So it's your emails and everything that's on your computer. It's amazing how fast technology has changed. So that's one business, right? Is there another one? <coughs> I'm sorry. Hang on. No. Oh, that's okay. <coughs> Yes, yes, I will edit that out. <laughs> I'm really sorry about that. No, it's okay. It's just what happens. So, Gina, let me ask. So, Gina, let me ask. That's one business. And you, do you have another business before besides Copy Scan? Yes, we do. We have a second business. And um, the second business was born of the first business. The second business is called Record Shred. And uh, so, basically, when all the privacy laws came out, um, after a lawsuit was over, you couldn't throw stuff in the trash. And so uh, customers more and more started asking uh, for stuff to be destroyed. And so the new business was born because there's a, there's a market for that far beyond litigation. Right. And well, I'm uh, going to let that. you get a drink of water because I think you're <coughs> Oh, So everybody listening, Gina, I love her, and she's going to do the best she can, but she might need to call her <laughs> sneeze in the process. And also, for anybody interested in finding out more about Gina, of course, um, underneath her picture, I'll have a link to her websites. So we, we we are here to hear more of why you believe in life after death. But I certainly will attach um, a record shredder and copy scan and just everything because it's we have a whole varied um, group of people that listen. And sometimes you listen and you're like, I want to I want to know more about that. So we'll include that. So, Gina, if I can ask you, you know, what was it about maybe this radio show or something that you've experienced that made you want to be a, a guest here today? You have a story for us why you believe in life after death? I do have a story. And uh, when, when, you, uh, when you put out your, your, your note in the group that uh, uh, if anyone had a story they wanted to share, I'm like, oh, I, I totally do because I became a believer after um, after my experience with my father. And uh, I read your book, and, you know, what's amazing is I found that I had a lot in common with you. Oh, nice. So, so if I could tell you about him and, and, and why we have stuff in common, you'll be able to relate to this really well. Yeah. Um, my, um, my dad, while, um, while not being a professional pilot, was an avid aviator. Oh. And so he... He uh, he didn't have the eyes to fly in the military back back in the day, mm-hmm. and so he, he wasn't able vision. to do that. Yep, did not have perfect vision. Yes, and so uh, so what he did was he he spent time in the army, and when he got out, he um, he got all of his ratings all the way through instructor. So I grew up at the airport because that was how my dad spent his weekends. He he uh, he instructed anyone and everyone who wanted to take lessons. So I have a brother who. Um, who ended up uh, being a Navy pilot. Wow. And, uh, and, a, and I have another brother who's on active duty in the Air Force now. Wow. Interesting yeah. how that happens. I mean, my mom became a travel agent. Dad was a pilot for American Airlines. My sister is a flight attendant for Southwest. My aunt um, worked 25 years for Delta, and my brother's a captain for United. <laughs> Interesting how that happens in families. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, um, for me, I, did, I, I actually have a pilot's license myself, although I don't currently fly because I'm too busy to 
be proficient. Yeah. And uh, if, if, if you're not proficient, you're not safe. So I made the right. decision that I would just stop flying. Um, so, but uh, I did. I did get a pilot's license back. I got my private pilot's license back in 1996 because um, when I was in my 20s, uh, one day I drove past an airport and it occurred to me that no one was ever going to take me flying because I didn't live at I didn't live at home anymore. Mm-hmm. And I and I realized that I missed it. And so I knew that if I was ever going to experience that, that I needed to go do it for myself. And so I did. Yeah, that's nice. Really nice. Well, you have a pilot's license too, don't you? But same kind of thing. In fact, I was just um just short of getting my private pilot's license and that was when I was a teenager, my late teens and I went off to college and then got involved in life that I never um followed through and got my private pilot's license I had my solo pilot's license um but you know I was a girl who liked to fly upside down and do the wild stuff and so mm-hmm. it wasn't just enough for me to you know have a have a license like the passion didn't continue which is okay because I, I still went flying with my dad and uh, he had a biplane and we did the loops and the rolls and all those kind of things even though I didn't have my pilot's license I still know the basics Yes, and so and he probably let you have the control. Yeah, control. Oh, yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. So, so uh, my father um, spent his career as an engineer, uh-huh. and uh, he was a, he was a he was a very uh, brilliant guy, and uh, I, I I didn't fully appreciate how bright and brilliant he was until I was in my thirties, because I read his resume one day, and he had a list of patents that filled like a third of a page. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, and he, so he, he did, he did a lot of really cool work. I'm sorry. My dog is playing with a toy. That's okay. So she stops making noise. So, um, so he, he spent, he spent his, uh, he spent his life, uh, uh, doing engineering work. And, uh, when he retired, he did, uh, he did freelance landscape design. So he loved to create things. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and that's the kind of guy that he was. Um, I got an engineering degree myself, and uh, so I was the one that took after him, at right. least academically. So um, fast forward now to um, 2011, and um, my dad had something funny going on with his skin, and it had been going on for like a year, and nobody could figure out what it was, but he was itchy, and you know he was flaking, and n- n- nobody was able to diagnose what was going on with him. So it wasn't until um, it was Thanksgiving in 2011 that finally um, they got him into a specialist who said, you know, this doesn't look like, you know, psoriasis or, you know, whatever. Um, And it turned out that he had lymphoma. Oh, boy. Okay. And so, um, and because it had gone so long without being properly diagnosed, he was already stage four. Hmm. So, you know, he started treatment. He, he gave it a shot. And, um, and then the treatments made him too sick to continue treatment. So he had to take a break from the treatments. And, uh, and then we had to start looking at some alternatives. Well, so what happened with me is that I, um, I was getting frustrated with my mother because every time I asked her questions, she didn't have any good answers for me. You know, like, did you ask the doctor this? Did you ask the doctor this? You know, right. you know what does this mean? And, and I couldn't get any answers. And so um, one of the benefits of being a business owner is that I can work remotely and no one can tell me that I can't. Right. 
So Andy held down the fort, and I was gone for six weeks. So my intention, and this is now 2012. Yeah. It was uh, February of 2012. Um, my intention was to um, go stay with my parents, who were in Michigan, and uh, whip everything into shape because I'm a get it done kind of gal. Yes, you are. And uh, and and then uh, get him on track with whatever treatment program he needed to, because he was only 75. Mm-hmm. I just didn't think that he was old and that he was like he that she should be done. Right. So, so uh, we gave that a shot, but really it turned out that the options were very few, and then there were certain things he didn't want to do, and um, I'm so sorry about that. It's okay. You know what? I picture your house filled with kittens, and now I'm surprised to hear, roof, 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 roof. It's okay. Yeah. Makes you more lovable. Who's barking? What's his I name? Think- that's her. Bella. She's oh, Bella. my Doberman. And she, a girl. and she loves kittens. I think maybe what I'll do is step outside so I'm away from her. She's barking at somebody going by. Okay. So, um, so anyway, um, my, my, uh, my thought was I was going to whip everything into shape. Right. It uh, turned out that really it was too late and the options were few and some of the options were things he didn't want to do. <clears throat> so my role quickly changed into being his caretaker. And uh, I have three brothers, and none of them were able to participate because they have busy lives and jobs and things like that. And uh, so it was, it was me that took the lead. I was the one that was there, and, um, which was fine. And uh, I, I worked remotely as much as I could, but mostly what I was doing was taking care of him. Yes. And my mom, you know, in your book, when you talked about grief and pre-grief, yeah. it made sense so many things that I experienced. Because I had one brother who checked out and was hostile any time you tried to engage him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then my mother was just off in la-la land. She was in total denial. And, you, you know, I'm still, I'm still not sure that she has fully processed that he's gone even though it's been a couple of years now. Yeah, I mean, so, it can take a long, long time. And the longer you're in relationship with person, the harder it can be. Yeah. So so um, I was taking care of him. And it was good that I was there because I was like, I was like the one sane person. That, that was how it felt to me, that I was, the, I was the only sane person that was involved in the situation because I had uh, two brothers remotely, uh, with all of their opinions about what we're not doing right. Right. And, and, uh, and then my one brother who lived locally uh, checking out and getting hostile with me. Mm-hmm. And my mom just being, I mean, you know, um, the doctors and all the caretakers stopped even talking to her. They, they came directly to me like I was in charge. Yeah. It, it, was, like, it, was, it was like really amazing. Right. But I guess, you know, hospital people do that. Yes. So, they, I mean, they, 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 they know what all the dynamics are. Sure. And so, um, and my mom w- would, uh, would, get, would get angry anytime somebody mentioned that he might die. Oh. Because she, w- she was praying for a miracle. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. All the way until the end. Yep, yep. Same with us. I understand completely. Yeah, so wow. she she was praying for that miracle. Um, we had to we had to covertly get a priest to his hospital room to read him his last rite. Oh boy! Because she would have thrown a fit if we'd have done that at home, right. in, in her you know with her being able to see it. Yep. So um, you know, I'm just trying to like give him his wishes, and she's getting you know. It, so it was it was a really nutty time. It was a really really nutty time. 
Well, and I'm but honestly, I, was, I, I don't mean to interrupt that? you. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm honestly glad you're sharing that because people going through that right now, it's like hard to believe that normal people would behave such a way. So it, it is really all a part of how we deal with grief. And, and even before we lose somebody, like this stuff kicks in. So go ahead, continue your story. Yeah, it it was it, it was crazy. It was it was a very nutty time, very a very emotionally taxing. Not just losing my dad, but having all of this insanity yes. around me. And um, but but I being being the on task kind of girl that I am, right? I was I was I was just taking care of stuff. I had taking care of this and that, and talking to this person, arranging this, you know. And and then I was also making sure he was comfortable at the same time. So um, for me, it was a job. And I think that enabled me to retain my rationale, you know, my, you know, my rationality mm-hmm. about um, approaching what I was dealing with because I had, a, I, you know, I, I had a problem to solve. I had a job to do. I had tasks. And so, like, everything else was noise. But I thought it was insane. Yeah. So, um, so finally, we, uh, we're, we were able to bring him home. Um, because that was what he wanted, and um, the um, hospice people are very special, yes. by the way. Yes, yes, no, yes. Very special people in that profession. So uh, we, uh, we we were able to bring him home, and we had hospice people who came to the house, and then they equipped us with, you know, all kinds of things that we needed to take care of him. Mm-hmm. And um, the person who arranged for the um, for all the stuff that we were doing at home. Um, you know, wanted to brief me on all of it. And I had to, uh, I actually had to run uh, and pick up my books that had just been printed before the printer closed. Um, it, it was funny because Craig Dolswalt's, um Rockstar Marketing Boot Camp was going to be in just a few days. And I had, I had done my book and I was ready to present it. And I had them printed. And the place I had it printed was very close to where my parents lived. I was very excited. I found a place like that, and I needed to jump in the car. Mm-hmm. So while, I'm, while, I, I, while I need to leave, I told her, I said, you know, I have a trip I'm supposed to take, um, and I'll be gone for five days. Um, should I do that? And so she said to me, um, would it be okay with you to not be here when, when your father dies? And I said, um, no. Mm-hmm. So she said, well, then you've answered your question. And oh. so then she then she proceeded to tell me that um, that she has seen the human spirit and that, you know, if you're in hospice, you know this. You see this over and over again. She yes. said, um, he's done. He, he, he doesn't, he, he's, he, you know, he doesn't have much time left. You, yeah. this, this process will not take a long time. And it was, that was such a gift that she was that direct with me mm-hmm. because I, I thought he might have another 30 days. Right. I had I had I had no idea that time was that short, but she told me that, um, and so I said, "Well, okay, so I should call my brothers." And she said, "If you would like your brothers to see him while he's alive and interact with him, then um, yes, yes, you should call your brothers." And so it was a gift that she told me what it was, and so I immediately started making phone calls, and uh, and and I was able to get my brothers in town, and my dad started fading before one of them had arrived, and um, we kept on telling him, hey, Polly's coming, Polly's coming, you know, I, you know I, like I wanted him to know that Polly was coming to, to, um, to, to, to see him and, that, and that, uh, that he, you know, 
hang on long enough. Well, so what happened is that once everyone arrived, he perked up, and he had two really fabulous days. Oh, nice. What's yeah, your, dad, what really your dad's fabulous. first name, if I could just ask? Alfred. Alfred, okay. He's, yeah, my he, dad's uh, he, John, yeah. and I'm sure they're flying high in their airplanes right now. They probably are. Yeah. They probably Happy are. They're that probably their like, girls are together right now. Yeah, they're probably telling stories and, you know, <laughs> uh, watching the airplanes take off and land. Okay, sorry to interrupt. I was just thinking of, your, what was his name? Okay. No, that's fine. Um, so, so we had two fabulous days, and so that was a gift as well. That was that was that was wonderful that uh, that I was able to get them there, and uh, and that uh, he had he had two really good days with all of us there, and uh, and then uh, the you know the day after that um, he he was very sleepy and not very uh, engaged. He was just very tired, and he even looked different. Like just his whole face mm-hmm. was he, he just he just looked different. But at dinner time that night. Um, you know, we had a, a hospice bed, you know, where we could sit him up and stuff, and we would, you know, we would bring him food when when uh, it was time to eat. But he insisted on coming to the table the mm. night that he died, wow. and and um, he, um, I, I didn't understand what they were doing to him because I'd walked out of the room, and the next thing I saw, they were wheeling him to the table, and he was wobbly, and and he couldn't hold his fork, and so. Um, you know, we we kind of like cut up his food for him, and and you know, one person held the plate, and one person, um, you know, you know, gave him some food, and he actually, he actually ate like half his dinner, hmm. and then he said, "I'm tired, I need to go lay down," and yeah. it was within, it was within 15 minutes that he passed, so it was like his last act of uh, being a family man that he, oh. he came to, he came to the table and ate with us. Wow. So um, when uh, at the time that he passed, and so now that I've told you all this, mm-hmm. uh, and so you understand the aviation thing and uh, what the whole story was around it, so we have a house full of people now, and, uh, and including cousins that had come to visit at this point. And uh, so when he passed, it just it like just happened so suddenly. He just it wasn't even like he had anything to say. He just drifted away. And uh, and 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 I and I and my my one brother and I didn't realize it until he was unresponsive because we were just trying to get him comfortable and ready for bed. Yes. And um, so uh, one of my cousins made the comment that the dogs were statues. So this is like piece number one. They were looking at something, and they and the, and they were frozen like statues, looking in that direction uh, to where to where we all were and where he was. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that was my first uh, my first sign that there was uh, that there was something something going on. And yep. uh, and then and then in the days that followed, um, it was probably well. I stayed for I stayed for another week and a half because I helped my mom with all the banking and the life insurance and all the paperwork stuff. Um, got all that done. We cleaned up the house and gave away things that she you know was willing to part with and, yeah. and, and all of that. And then I went home and went back to my life. And so I'm a person that has, I have very few dreams that I remember. I mean, I know that we all dream, but it is very rare for me to have a dream that I remember. And it's very rare for me to have a dream that is vivid and that I don't eventually forget. But this, is, this was a very vivid dream that I had after I arrived back at home. Okay. So, what, so in, in the dream, I, um, I was standing in, 
in an empty room, it looked like somebody was either moving in or moving out because there were a couple boxes. The room was mostly empty, but there were a couple boxes, and, um, you know, but yeah, and they were just on the floor, and there was no furniture. And so I'm standing in this room, and, and, and I, I, I was thinking that my mom was moving somewhere different and that, and that maybe she was moving in. Mm-hmm. And my, uh, my dad had tons of model airplanes that was, he, because he loved he loved flying. He loved he loved military airplanes, and so he for over many years he built lots of air, uh, lots of models, and mm-hmm. so we had we had lots of those. And so on the floor were some airplanes, and um, I thought that was kind of strange. And uh, and then my dad appeared in front of me, and um, his skin because of the lymphoma it was uh, cutaneous. Uh, T cell lymphoma. His he had lots of lesions all over his skin. Oh, okay. Yep. And so ultimately, what killed him is that because the uh, when your skin is compromised, you get infections more right. easily. And so you know he ended up you know the cause of death was actually sepsis, not you know not the primary uh, disease. Yes. So um, but when I saw him, I was a little taken aback, and he wanted me to come to him and and, and kiss him on the cheek. He was he was um, he was motioning to me to do that. And I was kind of afraid to approach him, um, and I and then when I got closer to him, I saw that his skin was clear. Oh. Yeah. So he he looked good. I mean, he looked like himself. You know, the same age. Um, right. But 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 healthy. His his, yep. his skin was clear, and he wasn't itchy, and he seemed he seemed happy. And um, and so I, um, you know, I, I I you know I was like happy to see him, and then. And then he was gone, but then he but he wasn't gone. I just couldn't see him anymore. And so he 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 picked up one of the airplanes off the floor and said, "Fly in formation with me." And so this airplane just started flying around the room. And so I'm sorry. No, I at the last when my dad had his funeral or at my dad's funeral um dad was part of a group of people that lived in Daytona Beach and they flew fly, fly uh, formation flying with their old airplanes and um and I'm going to cry over this but when they did the they did a formation flight um just after my dad's funeral and then one person was flying my dad's airplane and did the missing man formation where, you know, oh, one boy. airplane flies off, you know, and yeah. remembrance of my dad. And, you know, it's funny, Gina, I held it together the whole day of my funeral, or dad's funeral, sorry. But when that one airplane went off, it was like, oh, I lost it, you know. So I get it. I'm crying with you. Keep telling your story. <laughs> <laughs> we love our dads. It's just how it is, you know. So. Yeah. So, so I, so I picked up one of the other model airplanes, and I just, I put it right up next to the airplane that was flying around the room, and I just, I flew it with, with, mm-hmm. with him. And um, sweet. And then that was it. And what happened didn't make sense to me until I spoke to my brother about it, because I called, I called my brother, and I said, Dad came and saw me in a dream. And and I described the dream to him, and he just burst into tears. Oh, so my that's your so brother. my brother my brother my brother is in the military, and so he was able to make sense of what was going on. He said, "You know, there's two reasons why you fly in formation." And he said, "The first reason is protection, because a a, a small airplane can hide next to a bigger one, and it mm-hmm. doesn't show up on the radar." 
or a group of airplanes will look like one. Right. So protection is, is the first reason that you fly in formation. And the second reason that you fly in formation is guidance. Oh, I never heard it put that way. That's really, really beautiful. So, um, so he came and asked me to fly in formation with him. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Rough. Sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Adds a little lightness to the, to the subject. Yeah. The, uh, the dog is barking at the cat. It happens sometimes when you have yes. more than one species in the house. Sure. So, so yeah, um, and and so ever since then, I feel that he's with me, and that he wants to protect and guide, and and that you know whatever I'm doing, and you know, you know what it's like to be in business. There there are things that are difficult and taxing and long hours and lots of stress. At yeah, time. yeah, sure. Um, but uh, but I but I feel that I feel that he is actually with me, and that he is protecting and guiding me. Oh, and how does that make your life having that belief? You know what I'm asking? Because it's it's one thing to have faith, but it's like another thing to just really believe that he's there and that it's all going to be okay. Do you find that that makes a difference? Oh, it makes a tremendous difference because um, there have been times that. Um, you know, I I wonder if I really want to be doing what I'm doing. I mean, you, you know that, that it's not like I want to go back and get a job again. But <laughs> right. um, there are times I'm like, my God, I didn't, I had no idea I was signing up for uh, this life when I took on this task, or you know, this set of obligations. And um, and then and then I hear my dad telling me, you know, you know, you're very good at this stuff, and you're gonna you're gonna find a way, and you know, just you know, do what you always do. So you and just so, kind of hear him in your mind, or you hear a thought like that would be his, him saying it? Yeah. It, That's cool. It would be the kind of way that he would talk to me. Right. That's, that's very that sweet. Would. That's really Yeah, nice. and uh, he, he, um, he always called me Jeannie, uh, or Jeannie Girl. Mm-hmm. I was his only daughter. Um, my name is Gina, which is a completely different name, and I would punch anyone else who called me Jeannie because that's not my name but right. my dad called me Jeannie <laughs> so um he, he calls me that when he talks to me sweet yeah so um very nice so, so there's an interesting little ending to this okay um two months after I uh yeah uh, after my dad died I had been home for six weeks at this point um I, uh, I, I, I had, I had left all the animals in Andy's care. He, uh, he, he was a trooper while I was on. We, we had fewer animals back then. But, um, so I, I left all the animals in his care. And so, um, I had no way to observe what was going on with them. And when I came back, one of my cats got really sick and died suddenly. Wow. And, um, she, she showed herself to me. One time, really quickly after she died, she was just kind of doing one of the things that she would do. She was like walking in out of the legs of the chair, mm-hmm. and um, and you know just to show me I'm I'm still here and I'm good. And um, so then, in a subsequent dream, he was sitting in a recliner, like he would as a dad, and my cat was on his lap. Oh, and was it as clear as the other dream? Uh, it was. 
It, well, it was um, because it was, yes, it, it was. Because it, I remember it was like I was at my parents' house and I was standing in the living room where his recliner was. And, um, and, the, and there he was. He looked very comfortable and happy. And, uh, and my cat was sitting with That's him. That's so sweet. I, I had a similar dream and it was my dad and my grandmother and my two cats, Millie and Ozzy looking healthy everybody looked great um and it just made me feel so good and and like you I don't remember too many of my dreams you know like the second I wake up maybe I do then it's gone but it seems to me that people that have had dreams when their loved ones have come like you say they they seem really vivid and you remember them so there is something different you know I think there is I mean maybe not for everybody um but it's very reassuring. Thank you it, so it, much. It is reassuring oh. because because I think maybe the reason that he's coming to me in my dreams is because maybe that's a way to access me, and and because maybe if I was someone who remembered all my dreams, that um, I might dismiss it as just you know something that you know my mind made up, but. Um, it, it it was unusual enough that I I believe that I believe that he came to see me yeah. and he was saying hello. And our minds and can be okay. Our minds can be so busy during the day, and everything is made up of energy, and that's just proven by science, just the way it is. And um, many people, including myself, believe that when we pass away go to the hereafter heaven whatever you want to call it you know like our energy still exists and so we can manipulate energy to make things happen whether you know some people get the light switches turned on and off some people get messages on their computer screen some I mean televisions do weird things but it takes energy and I think to when we're in a relaxed state like in the sleeping mode um, it takes maybe less energy to appear to somebody already relaxed as opposed to somebody who's busy worrying about running, you know, four businesses and <laughs> dogs, cats, you know, all these things. But then when your mind is quiet and you really are stressed out, and then, you know, he'll just be right there to to tell you, genie girl, you know. <laughs> and I won't call you that again. I don't want to get on your bed by any means. <laughs> oh, Gina, thanks so much. Um, do you, is there any words of wisdom you might want to give to somebody right now who maybe has lost a loved one and is listening to the story and might have just been crying along with you and I about our dads? But just to give maybe a few words of hope because it's um, it could be a life after death thing. It could be. Uh, even in combination with like what life's about because I I just wonder if you've put any thoughts together like dad's still around and your kitty's still around and um, I don't know what do you think maybe just something about living life well um, I I, I believe that uh, that those who love us when their bodies fail um, are still connected with us Mm. that, that they don't leave because because we don't die right right and um, and so uh, I, I I know that that those who care for me are are here with me. They're they're, they're here with me, uh, wanting wanting to continue providing guidance and and reassurance and uh, and and maybe even some protection. So um, I, I I I do feel that, and I do feel uh, a greater sense of calm because I believe that instead of just saying, oh, where did he go? 
and, um, you know, where am I going to go? Because I, I, I feel that he is here. I feel yeah. that he's here and he's with me. And that he's always with me. It's great. Or that I can summon him at a moment's notice. Were you um, fostering kittens around the time of your dad's death? <clears throat> I was not. Because I had, a, I had a cat who actually lived to be 20 years old. She had chronic renal failure and needed fluids every day. So she took up enough of my energy, right. the amount of care that that cat needed. So I didn't want to take on any other obligations because, you know, she'd been with me for so many years that uh, I wanted to give her all the care that I could. It wasn't until um, until after she passed that I started adding additional animals to my house. It wouldn't have been fair to do that while I still no. had her. And the reason I ask is do you find that caring for these little ones – helped you in any way with the grief and the loss of your dad and even your other 20-year-old cat? Um, well, the, uh, the, the, the loss of my 20-year-old cat, um, you know, with, with her, I think, she, I think she was almost asking me right. to end it. Um, and, and, and when it was time, it was time. You know, people with, you know, with pets, uh, people say, well, you'll know that it's time, and you don't feel that, but you there's no way to describe it except when you know that it's that you know that it's time when it's time yeah and it's extremely it's difficult it's awful yeah so, I, so yeah so it, it um it, it it is comforting to me to uh to be i guess maybe i'm just a caretaker because i you know take care of these animals and took care of my dad and with the with the little ones you know they they would die without human intervention right because because they're too small to uh, to make it on their own. You know, either they lost their mother, or you know they were abandoned, or uh, there's all kinds of reasons why they end up alone. And if they um, if they go to the shelter, uh, the problem at any shelter is that there's um, there's stuff in the air that so every, all the animals end up getting sick if they spend too much time there. And so when they're really little, they would end up being there for a really long time. So, um, you know, they rely on people like me to take them out of that environment and put them somewhere where they can grow up where there's not all the, uh, you know, stuff to give them respiratory infections. Yeah, can so, people just so go I, to shelters? I mean, you know, it's a interesting thing because I, you know, I never liked cats until one snuck into my house and then snuck into my heart <laughs> and I had her for 11 years. Um but for somebody interested in, in fostering kittens, I mean, can that be something that people can go into their area and go to a shelter and do that kind of thing? I've never heard of somebody who does what you do. Um, well, I, I actually work with the county, and so um, I was sent there actually by one of the rescue groups because they said, yeah, we have volunteers that help the rescue group, but if you really want to save lives, work with the county because they, they, they have limited resources for, for giving special care. And so they, uh, they, you know, if, if they don't have a volunteer to take care of a kitten, especially if it, if it isn't eating on its own, they actually euthanize it. Oh. Yeah, because they're like, well, I guess they figure that it's kinder to yes. euthanize it than to let it starve to death because right. it's not weaned and it can't eat. So, um, so that, that's, uh, that was what I was advised to do. So I, you know, I had to... Um, yeah, I just filled out an application, which is no different from like when you fill out an adoption application. But I filled out an application to be on their foster list, and I'm on a short list because I'm a bottle feeder, which is like not a lot of people are willing to do that. Mm-hmm. And so they call me when they uh, 
when they have uh, kittens that need care. The reason I ask this, Gina, and it's, you know, somebody might be listening right now going, what the heck does feeding kittens have to do with life after death? Well, here's the story. It's not necessarily kittens, but I know firsthand when you can put your attention onto something else or someone else or make a difference for somebody, you know, it is proven that our brain chemicals that we lose while we're grieving actually get restored again to more healthy levels. And for our own healing and even if we're not grieving anytime we can make a difference somewhere for someone else it definitely helps someone or something else um, but it does a ton for our stress levels for our our moods our brains and just our sense of joy and purpose so it's just a little encouragement that if you don't have something in your life that you're you're giving to um, you know and it may be kittens or animals or it may not be but just maybe look to see if you have something in your life that you're making a difference for does that sound about right Gina? I, I i totally agree with that i totally agree with that because um while it takes effort to yes care for for these little guys um it's very gratifying because you know you you know you know that you're the reason that they're growing and then you know they and you see them you know they start and they're all they're all frail and helpless and and then they and then they grow and they get stronger and they get prettier, and um, you know so they you know they grow from their kitten bodies into more of a small cat body and they they start to run and then you know that that uh, you know when you're finished with them and they're big enough to be adoptable, mm-hmm. you know it's like okay I've done my job as a parent it's time for you to go off to school, and so uh, so you let them go and then. Uh, and then somebody gives them a permanent home. Mm-hmm. And animals bring so much joy and let us practice unconditional love because that's what they give for us. And so, um, yeah, I'm a big supporter of animals and pets and things like that. Well, Gina, our time is coming to an end, my dear. Um, can you just talk a little bit about what your businessresultsystems.com is, the, your, um, your training that you offer? Sure. Um, we uh, we first got into uh, business consulting because we're in two different industries. We're in the shredding industry and in the uh, document management industry. <clears throat> and what was happening is that the people who were shredding companies were saying, "How do you do this document imaging thing? You know, that seems to be like the the uh, the big thing." And and we had enough people say, "Can I come pick your brain?" That we decided to create a training program. So it wasn't like we set out to be a training company. But we became one, and so our first our first uh, program was just on uh, the business of document imaging, the technology, the equipment, you know, how you manage a shop, blah 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 blah. So that someone who was in the shredding industry or someone who was just getting started could go ahead and um, and, and and get started doing that line of work. And so from there, we <laughs> started offering additional things like how to uh, market your business with video, how to market your business by blogging, you know, and, you know, SEO, and uh, we have a stay-in-touch marketing program. And, and so uh, it, was, it just one thing built on the other. It wasn't necessarily that we set out to do that because we already have businesses. Right. Um, but, but we, you know, so we branded that differently because we, we put uh, a collection of different trainings underneath there. And so, uh, so we help people get started. We help people, um, you know, we direct them on, you know, how to get their website going and how to optimize it and, um, you know, how to continually create content. And, 
you know, be, you know, via written and um, and video, and uh, it, it's it's helped a lot of people, which is you know, you know, also gratifying when when you have someone figuring figuring out how to get into business, and we basically say, okay, this is what I did, and it worked for me, and I'll show you step by step, and so that's what we do. Yeah, and it is gratifying, and you know, for those of us business owners, I think, or, or people that dream of having a business to do it all on our own we do all we can with what we know but to actually learn from somebody who's already successful in business it's like oh you know takes a lot out a lot of the learning curve so that's businessresultssystems.com and again to our listener if you go to we don't die radio.com you can see gina st george's picture and then um I'll have the links to her websites and and what else can I say Gina thank you again really really it was a pleasure to talk to you today it was uh it was a pleasure for me as well and uh and and you got me up off the couch so yeah thanks. so did I deliver that you feel better right now I after do feel the interview better. <laughs> I, 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 I do I do feel better you uh you you, you said that uh when you when you engage in something and and you're giving that uh, it actually makes you feel better and it worked today yeah and a, thank you and a little uh, trick for our listeners if you have anybody in your life that's grouchy or complains a lot or may not be feeling good if you start asking them questions about some of the favorite times they had in their life or um, how did you meet you know their loved one or um, provided they're still together or just like a favorite memory of a child being born or something you will take that person from that uh, grumpy uh, grouchy or not feeling so well person and you will put a smile on their face and that's like just a little trick haha in in human behavior so play with that today well I'm going to close this show and just thank everyone for being here today and look for your own life where it is that you can make a difference it might be with the animal family it may not be but look for something that will will help another and in addition it'll give you that that blessing of feeling good yourself so this is sandra champlain you've been listening to we don't die radio.com i do believe with all my heart that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important so go make it a great day thank you for listening and we'll see you soon 